deep into week two of the How to Write a Novel podcast. So I was saying yesterday how uh, my sleep schedule's been all goofed up and it just got worse. I was up till like three in the morning yesterday. But I still woke up relatively early. I don't know why, just can't sleep in. Maybe that's for the best, I don't know. Sometimes though, if you're going through a little stretch where you don't have a, a particular schedule in your life, it can be kind of fun to just let things go to shit. Last summer when I was in Toronto, man, it was so hot, just ludicrously hot. That's the thing with Canada. It's like shitty weather all winter. But then in the summer, it's way too hot. It's just ridiculous. It's, it just kind of always sucks in Canada, basically. And yeah, just like being out and about in the day, it's just not worth it. It was just like Lawrence of Arabia shit. It's just like, oh, when is the sun going to go down? When is this day going to end? So I uh, got into this thing where I would go to sleep at like noon and then just stay up all night. And it was kind of fun because it'd be warm all night because it was so hot during the day. So I just, uh, I remember like sitting on a park bench outside, uh, what is that park called? High Park. Just, you know, writing some shit, middle of the night. And you see weird stuff in the middle of the night. Like, uh, that's how I found out that on that stretch of Bloor Street in Toronto, there are groups of cyclists that go by at like 5 a.m. Like they get up crazy early before there's traffic on that street and just go by in big like packs. And it's kind of cool. It's just like, man, I bet that's fun. That's the main reason I stopped bicycling in general, but in Toronto in specific is just the traffic. It's fucking, it's a nightmare. It's terrifying. So you had to do it uh, when it's still dark out and there's no cars around. That's cool. So yesterday I was uh, just sitting at this little Starbucks, this one particular one that I think is kind of nice, this nice little hood, this nice little area. But I was just like feeling stir crazy and weird, I think because I didn't sleep enough and it's just like, I just couldn't focus. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like I got a coffee, I'm sitting here, everything's all set. But I just like, just didn't like it. I'm like, ah, fuck this. And I just decided like, you know what, fuck this. Like I'm just exhausted today. I don't know what's going on. I'm just gonna go home, like, fuck this. And that's where uh, technology is handy, where like I've always written with various levels of consistency throughout my life. Remember when I was a kid, my parents got this, uh, it's like a word processing program for kids type thing. And I remember I wrote this really dumb story about Rambo. I hadn't even seen a Rambo movie. It just had a Rambo video game for the Sega Master System. And I wrote like three pages and then it got accidentally deleted. And I was so upset. And it's just one of those many memories I have of just being like, oh, what an annoying kid I must have been. Like, just get it together. So your thing got deleted, who cares? But I just wouldn't get over it, just inconsolable. I remember around high school, just to be a hipster-ass high school kid, I found an old typewriter. It was just in a closet somewhere in my parents' house. This big, green, heavy metal typewriter. And I typed a bunch of stuff with that, that I've still got just like in a box in a closet at my mom's house. 
which I'm quite sure nothing in there is any good, but there is a lot of it, just a ton of shit. But uh, I didn't actually get that much really done that way. What I got done more back in those days was just, just a notebook, just a notebook and a pen that would be small enough to just keep in my pocket and I'd just jot down ideas. And then later I'd go through and uh, transcribe all those ideas into a text file and mark a little X on the page so I wouldn't forget that it had already been transcribed. And actually I did that for a long time. I remember when I first moved to Vancouver, 2006 or so, I was still doing that. And I've still got a lot of those notes just filed away to someday hopefully be useful for something. So taking notes and gathering ideas was no problem, but, uh, but I always found it hard to really sit down and work on writing at a computer. I never liked that. It's just uh, it's distracting. I mean, a computer can do so many things that to just sit there and write, it's just uh, a level of focus that I just couldn't consistently maintain and still can't really. I find uh, instead of trying to will yourself to action day after day after day because it just eventually breaks down and you eventually fail, for me what's easier is to remove options. That really helps a lot. Like if I just don't have the option to do something else, if I don't have other things that I need to actively resist, then, then there we go. You know, the battle's half won. So what really helped with my writing productivity has been smartphones. Because portable writing was very hard to do before them. There was, of course, just the notepad in the pocket thing, which for rough notes is pretty good, except later you gotta transcribe it. I remember my friend Brad had a really early portable typing thing that was like, it wasn't too big, it wasn't too small, it was kind of in the middle, like backpack size. And it was like an electric typewriter thing, but it had just like a little screen that would just show two or three lines of text. A little like dot matrixy display. So it was like a little portable word processor. And that was pretty cool. And at some point laptops became a thing and that was helpful obviously, but even still, it's like you've still got to put this thing in a book bag and take it with you. And it really does affect the timber of the day. Like you can't just go on a weird random adventure on a, like just pick a strange bus route and end up somewhere weird and go on a hike through some woods you've never been in. Like you're just not going to do all that stuff if you're carrying around a big book bag. Or I'm not anyway. So I just would leave the thing home because I'd rather have the option of just doing weird shit when I'm out in the world. So there's just many subtle obstacles to writing consistently that combined with my young and belligerent age just wasn't enough to overcome. Like I just did a lot of haphazard writing, never really focused. And then even with the phone, I mean, I've only recently in the past few years really focused to the extent of like picking a primary project and working on that till it's done. 
that's relatively new. That's only been since my mid-30s that I've had the wherewithal to be able to do that. But with the cell phone thing, I did get a shit ton of writing done. Like that's when it became like I'm at least writing every day. I am doing something every day. Because uh, I got this phone, it's because I helped a guy edit a video in like 2010, I think it was. And I just did it because I was like, yeah, I'll help you out with this thing. But he's like, hey, you know what? Since you edited that video for me, would you like my old smartphone? Because I didn't have one. I still don't have a proper smartphone. Like I just have a burner. <laughs> so, because they're just so cheap. Like you can get unlimited texting on a fucking 7-Eleven burner for $10 a month. <laughs> you know? It's just, it's crazy how cheap it is. And I'm sure if I had the smartphone with the plan and with uh, the data and all the cool shit, I'm sure I would like it, but it all just snowballs. It's like, then to pay for the cell phone bill, you really need more money coming in and then you've got to work more often and then you might as well just work all the time and then you might as well just fuck your whole life. Like, I don't know. It's just the beginning of the end and, and I just really don't find that I need it. There's occasional times that it would be handy but I still do have a smartphone that I can use Wi-Fi with, you know, if I'm just at like, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. So I can't check Wikipedia right now in the middle of the woods where I am right now. But there's like, you know, a McDonald's 20 minutes away where I could if I had to. It's optional. It doesn't seem optional because everybody has a phone. But I really do think this all ties in of like, if you want more time to write, if you want less distractions, if you want to be more focused, you don't necessarily need these things. And when you really boil it down, I mean, phones really are expensive. And they're very handy. I mean, especially when I'm traveling, it would be great to be able to pull up a map at any time and to not have to pre-pull up a map and, you know, plot my course ahead of time. But it always works out. You know, when I was in Amsterdam, I got lost on the way to my Airbnb. So I asked somebody, you know, that's all. I just had to talk to someone. <laughs> if I had a smartphone, I could have avoided talking to that guy. But, you know, is that really so great? And yeah, I love that if you live behind the technology curve, like it's so cheap, it's free. $10 a month for unlimited texting. So I have that connection. People can get in touch with me. And if I call on the phone, it's more expensive. It's like 25 cents a minute, but nobody calls on the phone. So I'm still connected, basically connected, but for a tiny fraction of what that could cost me. And realistically, if I had a fully featured smartphone, I'd probably just spend more time on Twitter, scroll through fucking Instagram more, you know? I really think it would be worse for my productivity. Cause yeah, let me get back to this phone thing. So, so I got this phone, it was a, 2010 Motorola Droid that has like a little keyboard that slides out. And then they made uh, a couple of more models of that phone and they eventually stopped making them. Which is a shame because the little keyboard is key. Like maybe you could write consistently with a touchscreen, but I can't. I don't like touchscreens. I just have a hard time with them. I really feel like I'm like partially a ghost. Like Touchscreens don't work for me. Those fucking things where you put your hand under a tap to make the water turn on. Those things are very touch and go. I don't know what's going on. It's like I don't have enough life force to make these things work. But yeah, this phone, it's got the little keyboard. You can get a little 
file manager program so you can just you know scroll through different directory structures make folders whatever and just get a little text edit program I think the one I use is actually just called text edit and you can just write and it's great you can just write little files and organize them and cut and paste them together break them back apart all the stuff that I need for a first second draft can all be done on this phone and it seems a little weird to just type with your thumbs on this little keyboard but uh, I find it's just fine like I got used to it and I'm not about writing fast you know I can write relatively fast with it but that's that's not how I function that's just not as I've said many times, speed is definitely not the, uh, the best way to proceed, I don't think, not for writing fiction or nonfiction, not for any kind of writing. You just don't want it to be shoddy. So having this little phone in my pocket all the time was great because I could just pull it out anytime. If I'm on a streetcar or just at a coffee shop or like just sitting somewhere, I could just go sit on a rock, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't have to pre-plan at all. It was just always there. And it's amazing how much work you can do in those little in-between moments in the day. It's like brewing a pot of coffee and you just gotta catch one little drip at a time. Little drip here, little drip there. Next thing you know, you got a whole fucking pot full. And after that phone eventually deteriorated, what tends to happen is uh, it's usually the screen that goes first. Like the touch screen goes haywire, so it's just always randomly getting... It's as though you're just touching it at random times, and it really does make it pretty unusable. But it still takes a long time. Like, it'll take a few years <laughs> before that. I think I'm on my fourth phone, so two or three years. No, I'm on my third phone. That's right, I bought a fourth one because I was worried about this one, but I haven't actually had to use it yet. And when I went and looked these things up on eBay, they're generally pretty cheap because it's an outdated phone that nobody wants. Like eventually they'll come a point where they're just hard to find. And it's a shame that those phones with the slide out keyboards are not very popular. They're pretty tough to find. Maybe they'll make a comeback, but, uh, but that Motorola Droid brand in particular I mean, for like 30 or 40 bucks, you can usually get one. Especially if you search for bad ESN, which just means that the phone can't be used as an actual cell phone. Maybe it got stolen or something. I guess is usually the reason why such a thing happens. But I mean, what am I, the morality police from fucking 2011? Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's a super old phone that nobody wants anymore. And it's just so handy. It's just like a little computer just in your pocket all the time. And I always have like a couple of movies on it and uh, some ebooks and stuff just so, again, because I don't like to force myself. I just don't get good results that way. So if I am sitting there and it's like, okay, time to write and I just can't do it. I just can't get myself over that hump. You know, if I just watch like 10 minutes of a movie or read a bit of a book, I mean, I'll probably just get bored of that because I'm just like, uh. I'm not really into this movie, or what is this book, <laughs> you know? And then I'll be like, I want to write, I want to, it's more fun than this other thing that I'm doing. But just a super handy device, and so cheap, and so useful. And it's really interesting to be on like a subway, and to see that like everybody is on their phone. 
everybody. They're on Facebook or they're playing a weird little bejeweled game or something. So I'm just on my phone too, but I'm writing a book, you know, like my Last of Us book, this big ass book about the video game The Last of Us. I basically wrote the whole thing on that phone until the end when then I had to go in and because I just use a basic text editor, I can't make, you know, italics or anything. So at that point, you know, it has to go onto a computer and then publishing ebooks and websites and all that. Obviously, that's a computer thing. That's all separate. But for like two years that it took me to write that book, it was just on my phone. Just, uh, I just looked like a guy wandering around, <laughs> you know? I'm just like, oh, I'll just go walk to the bus stop, get on the bus, get on a subway, go somewhere, go hike through the woods somewhere, go just go do whatever, go to the library, go to a coffee shop. But just at all the little in-between moments, I could just pull out my phone and do some work. And it's just so interesting, it's neat. Like when I see all these other people goofing around playing Simpsons tapped out and shit, and I'm like, man, you could be using this time to do something awesome. You know, you could really be using this time to really do something because you have this thing in your pocket that is a miracle, <laughs> that is so amazing. And even though what I'm using it for is the most basic of all things, just a text editor and a directory, you know, file explorer type thing, but that's all you need. Like, that's what you need to really do something. And I mean, you can get like crazy with it. Like the wrestlers, the young bucks, they do their their YouTube show, uh, Being the Elite. And I heard somewhere that they edit that show. Just the guy just edits it on his phone while he's flying to Japan. <laughs> like, what a world, it's crazy. Like if you really, that there's just that those little moments add up so fast. And everybody's got them. Everyone's got those downtime moments of each day, those little in-between times. And they can really add up quick. So I think that could be like a useful little experiment. It's just like when you're on your phone in the day, just see what you're doing and see if it matters. You know, and if it's Facebook, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the opposite of mattering. I have a feeling that social media like that might actually degrade things. I have friends that I like better when I ignore their Facebook, and I think that's probably not uncommon, that feeling. I'm better with it now, but I used to have kind of a Twitter problem of just like, just get some stupid idea in my head that I needed to rant about something. And I just like kind of couldn't stop myself. It's like trying to learn how to speak in a new language. And I wasn't good at it yet. I was like a dumb toddler. I remember I used to wish for a version of Twitter where you'd send out the tweet and it would hold it for 24 hours and then 24 hours later it would come up and say like, do you still want to say this? Do you still want to send this out? Because I just felt like incapable of modulating my own behavior. It was just fucking weird. Like all of this stuff is a matter of degrees. Like it's, it's tough. You can't just go cold turkey. Like there is something weirdly compelling about it, even if the results and the reality of what you're doing are basically nothing, <laughs> you know, it just, it feels like you're communicating, it feels like you're achieving something, but you are not, <laughs> you know, you're really not. And all those little stray moments are just not going to add up to a hill of fucking beans. Whereas if you alter your little moments, they can add up to something better. It was a little easier with the nonfiction book. Like, 
it was easier to just pull that out at any time and just look over a segment and look over a section and do a little revising. Fiction is going slower because those little moments aren't as useful. If I'm only going to be on a subway for five minutes, it's probably not worth it. My brain's not all there. Like, whatever I do is not going to be probably very useful. It's harder to motivate myself where it was easier with nonfiction, cause just because it was more freeform. And if I wrote some weird thing, like there's parts of that book, my Last of Us book, that I wrote just like because I'd be drunk at a bar. And when I went to the bathroom, I'd just pull out my phone and write something. <laughs> it really was a fly by the seat of your pants fucking book. Less appropriate for a novel, but uh, but yeah, it still still adds up and it's still so handy. And it's so great because it eliminates that need to pre-plan, you know? It's not like I gotta put my laptop in my book bag and leave the house with this distinct goal of like, I'm gonna go somewhere and do some writing. Just all this pressure, just all this pressure of the situation that it's just so easy to just not do it. Just be like, eh, I'm not gonna do it today. And that's all it takes. You just don't put the laptop in your book bag when you leave the house and that's it. That day's burned, man. You're just, it's just not gonna happen. The day's gonna slip by and you're not gonna do anything. Where when you've just got this nice little magical, tiny little business card from the future in your pocket, there's really no excuse to not get something done at some point during that day. And that's all you gotta do. You just gotta get something done each day. And that's the facilitator. Man, it's still amazing too, like, I lived in New York in 2008, so like the iPhone was right around then, 2007 I think is when they started. But the girl I was dating had one. And I just remember we were sitting on the subway in New York, watching an episode of Family Guy, just like sharing a pair of headphones. And it's again like straddling the two generations of growing up without this tech, but then having it. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was looking at a special effect. Like, that would have been a special effect in an 80s movie. In fucking Escape from New York or something, they would have had to put a little green screen on this device and add that in later, add that in in post. But it was just, there it is, it's just really happening. And now it's completely taken for granted. It's just so cool. So, uh, I mean, I would recommend giving it a shot because, again, it's not that expensive. Like, for 30 or 40 bucks, you can get one of these things. Even if you have it in addition to your normal cell phone, that's fine. It can be your other phone. It can be your writing phone because the little keyboard is very, very useful. Makes it much easier. And just see how it works. Like, it's worth the gamble just to see how it'll work. Just to see if it'll help you get more work done. And, uh, I mean, it's just made my life way more fun in general because I love just going out and going on little urban hikes and going and exploring places and seeing whatever shit I can find in a city. And it's neat to combine these things because this isn't me procrastinating. This isn't me not doing work. This is me heading toward work, and it doesn't matter where I'm going. It can be like, hey, look at that weird mountain. Let's go see if they can find a path to go there. Just look at a bus map and be like, oh, that looks cool. This bus goes to some weird bay. Let's just see what it's like. And all of these things are productive. Transit in general, I love now. 
Because there's never like a, oh, I got to get to a place. I don't want to get to the place. <laughs> I want to take longer to get to the place because I get so much work done on the way. And that's the point I was trying to get to right at the start is yesterday I was just sitting in the coffee shop and feeling all fucking weird and just like nothing was working. I'm like, ah, whatever, fuck today. So I headed out and I walked to the Sky Train and uh, the coffee was probably starting to work on me by this point too. But then sitting there on the subway, that's when I got work done, you know? And it's like I got to the point where I was supposed to uh, transfer trains, but I've got like a, a transit pass so I can just zip wherever I want, like whatever. So I'm like, fuck it, let's just keep sitting on this train. Let's just take it around the loop for no reason. Let's just sit here for an extra 40 minutes to take the long way to get to where I'm going and just do work. And I find that even kind of feels good. It feels good just to be moving, even if you're really not going anywhere. It might not be so good in cities where the subways are underground. I did not enjoy the New York subways, but it's a, an elevated train in Vancouver. And it's such a nice feeling to just look out the window and just see the scenery going by and just that nice sense of motion. It's like being in a little office building, but outside of your window, beautiful shit happens whenever you happen to raise your head and look outside. And uh, those are some of my favorite memories too of being in Amsterdam was just to jump on a weird bus and just ride the bus around the city. And it's like, I don't know where you're going. Maybe I'll just ride your whole loop all the way around for no reason, but it's just, just nice, just a nice feeling. I prefer it to just sitting. Although that's fine too. Like, uh, there was this one bench. Uh, I got in this habit in Montreal last summer where I'd go up to the top of Mount Royal every day because it's a pretty accessible mountain. It's not very tall. But if I went up the sideway, like from the Mount Royal subway, about halfway up, there's just these nice uh, series of benches that are all covered in trees. And at that point, there was enough walking that I was getting a little winded. And just sit in those benches and drink some water and do a little writing. And, you know, sit there for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and do a little writing. Just the malleableness of it. I like it a lot. I also kind of like the idea of, like, whenever I'm at, like, a friend's cottage or something, like one of these lakeshore cottages, that would be really nice. If just, like, have a little, just have a little desk, have a little spot you go to every day, look out the window, do some writing. I could see that being cool but my life is completely, just have kind of a transient life. I get apartments here and again, like a year here, a year there. But uh, I love just doing the Airbnb thing. Like it would be like I would stay at a place for a week at a time and then two weeks. And now I pretty much do month to month. Like every month I just try to go to a different Airbnb. It's super fun during the times when I don't have a job, which is also super fun. At this point though, I think next time I have to get a job, God forbid. I might still do the Airbnb thing. I hate trying to uh, get an apartment. I've always just like had roommates that handle everything because I'm just not a, um, a real citizen. <laughs> the way I learned about the magic of the burner phone is because when I got my first cell phone back in like 2005, I don't have any credit history. I don't have good credit. I don't have bad credit. I just got nothing. I don't have any debt, but I don't have any credit. So they, nowadays, I think I could probably get a phone, but back then it was a newish thing. And they're like, we cannot give you a phone plan, but you can get this thing where you just prepay, which was a bad deal back then. 
But uh, now, like I said, the 7-Eleven $10 a month thing, it's fucking magical now. But that also works that way with uh, apartments and shit too. And it's just like, oh, Airbnb is just easier. <laughs> the last apartment I had was here in Vancouver just because I had a job at a cheesecake shop. And it's like, whoa, I, I feel like a real person for a second. Like when they call to see if I have a job, there is a job and someone can say that, yeah, this guy works here. And I was like, dude, I had like quite a bit of money saved up too from that job. And I'm like, I've never been more of a real person. Let's go try to get a real credit card. And I still couldn't, they just won't give me one. But then I also just, similarly to the burner phone, I just got a prepaid credit card and it doesn't build up any credit, but whatever, you can still just use it to get shit. And that actually, that's basically what unlocked Airbnb. It's like, oh cool, now I basically have a credit card so I can just use Airbnb. Fuck the system, man, fuck it. Maybe all this will bite me later, but whatever. I don't have debts, so I mean, how bad can it be? But yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, uh, you know, keeping things a little loose. And the less money you spend, the less you have to work. And if you are behind the technology curve, you can have amazing things for very, very cheap because nobody else wants them. <laughs> you know, they want the new thing. They want the cool thing. But I'm happy with my 2011, 2012, whatever model of Motorola keyboard have and droid <laughs> happens to be on eBay when I need a new one. And I'm writing books, man, I'm writing books. Whew, this episode was probably pretty scatterbrained. I think I am more tired than I think I am. It's weird, I felt more tired yesterday, but I'm acting more tired today. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is fine, I don't know, whatever. I do these every day, they don't all have to be gold. Oh, but before I go, I guess, quick uh, pop culture update in what may become a continuing series of how to fix this movie, <laughs> where I previously fixed War for the Planet of the Apes. I saw Black Panther yesterday. I usually don't see movies right away because, again, I'd rather just wait. What's the big hurry? I went to this one because uh, it opened on Thursday night, which is, I guess, what movies do now. I just happened to be by a movie theater and I'm like, oh shit, I can get a ticket for this motherfucker. And I mean, I like the Marvel movies in general. They always have very boring third acts, but uh, it's pretty impressive that they've got 18 movies and they're all relatively good and they all kind of tie together. It's a pretty neat thing. And I was never into superheroes, even though I used to work at a comic shop, but they needed somebody at the comic shop who wasn't into superheroes and that was me. The manager was the superhero guy, I was the everything else guy. So these movies even make me kind of interested in superheroes in a way that I normally wasn't. But especially Black Panther, I was just curious because it's this guy, Ryan Coogler, is that his name? But he had directed that movie Creed. And man, I loved Creed. I just rewatched it like two months ago. Holds up so well. Very kind of standard plot. Standard kind of Rocky movie thing. But extremely well done. Just had some really good moments. At the start, when young Adonis asks what his father's name was and the Creed title pops up, beautiful. They kind of did that again in the Black Panther to no effect. Like, who are you? What's your name? Black Panther. It's like, so you're Black Panther. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but, uh, 
You can tell I didn't like Black Panther as much. But then at the end of Creed, when he's down on the mat and he doesn't have any energy to get back up and it seems like it's all over and he thinks of his mom and he thinks of Rocky and he thinks of his girlfriend and none of it is enough. And then he thinks of his dad and it gets him back up. Man, so good. Brought a gentle tear to my eye, man, so good. I love, like it's a hard thing to find, but like movies that really deal with kind of parent issues in a cool way. Creed does that like the best. And that movie Looper, the first time I saw Looper, I just liked it, but I didn't think about it too hard. And then watching it again, it is crazy how layered it is with mostly mother issues. There's a little bit of father stuff, but it's like so many characters have some kind of longing for their mothers. Like it's just all over that movie. It's drowning in it, but it's great. It's so good. Black Panther didn't do much for me. I thought it was pretty boring. It's, uh, it reminded me of the second Captain America of Winter Soldier in the sense that really well-reviewed, everyone really liked it, but to me I just found it stale. I just found it bland in Winter Soldier's case and in Black Panther's case. Because in both cases it's like, oh look at this, it's a superhero movie, but it's also a this, it's also a that. It's a superhero movie, but it's a spy movie. It's a superhero movie, but it's about the politics of I don't know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just like, no, dude, no, it's a superhero movie. That's what it is. If you wanted to make a spy movie, make a spy movie. If you want to make a movie about international relations and shit, make that. Because then you just, the superhero part fucking blows <laughs> as a result. Yeah, I found Black Panther just, just really boring. Just a real boring character. Really nothing going on. And it's really just, you know, by feel. You just go by the feel of like, I'm just sitting in this theater and it's really dragging. We're like an hour in and I'm like, man, I have not been feeling this. This is a bad sign. But then, Michael B. Jordan's character, who has the unfortunate name of Killmonger, but he shows up and he's like, ha, guess what, swerve time. I'm a member of the same nation that uh, Black Panther's the king of. And I'm gonna challenge him for the fucking crown. And I'm like, oh, imagine. Imagine if this movie took a huge swerve. Imagine if he just killed Black Panther and the movie was about him. I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. Like, what if this was just a slow start and now this is gonna be the craziest, coolest shit ever? And then that's sort of what happened. And it was really exciting for about 20 minutes. And then it just became the standard third act half-assed battle for nothingness that is not exciting and it's just like blah. But I was thinking like, man, you know what could have fixed Black Panther? Of course, this is coming at it in hindsight. You know, I have the uh, benefit of having a completed film that I can just look at and dissect. But just going by that feeling of like, that's the part that felt exciting. Everything else felt very boring to me. What if the whole movie was told entirely from Michael B. Jordan's perspective because he's the one who's got the interesting classic superhero origin story. Black Panther, he's got nothing. He's the man who was uh, destined to be king because he's the son of the king. 
and then he becomes king. Who fucking cares? Like he is just the establishment. He's the status quo. He couldn't be more boring. He is fundamentally boring. And then as a character, he's also boring. He doesn't have anything interesting to do or to say. There's no reason to get behind this guy. I'm <laughs> just like, what is the deal with Black Panther? Who cares? Who could give a shit about this dude? So what if the whole story was told from Jordan's perspective? Where he's just living this normal life and having his trials and having his tribulations. And then he finds out about his secret origin. He finds out about his secret past. He finds out about his dad and his uncle. And the fact that he's connected to this amazing lineage and this place full of technological marvels and that he is potentially in line for the throne of this place. How fucking cool would that be if the whole thing was from his perspective? But he's the bad guy. He's still this dude who has killed a shit ton of people. He's still a military guy who has this like hundreds of deaths at his hands. He's still like such a huge crazy chip on his shoulder that he is gonna take the power of the crown and use it to fuck shit up. But that would be so awesome. That would be a fucking memorable superhero movie. Because it would be like a reverse movie. It's like, here is your kind of standard boilerplate superhero movie. Which I say boilerplate, but origin stories are always good. <laughs> They're always interesting, and this one would be too. Except this guy's the villain. How crazy is that? And then his redemption is the same as in the movie, because he is the one who gets the gears turning and who changes the course of how Black Panther's nation is going to proceed in the future. He's the fucking guy that makes the changes. He is the guy. He is the guy in that movie. But for some reason, the movie wasn't about him. <laughs> you know, it's just like, damn, that could have been great. And it's just weird because everyone's like, oh, it is great. Oh, these reviews are crazy. But it's like, come on. It's another reason why I don't like going to see stuff right away or even playing like video games when they first come out. I like to give things a little time because when things are new, people's opinions are so skewed and weird, so distorted. Like uh, the guys kind of funny on YouTube, they have been doing this thing where they review all the Marvel movies because they figured out that if they review one Marvel movie every week in 2018, it'll line up perfectly to the release of the next Avengers movie. And it's been really, really interesting because with this new perspective of the entirety of what Marvel has done and all these years that have passed, they're like, wow, you know what? Like Iron Man 2 is better than I thought it was. And just having all these different viewpoints on these movies now that the hype is gone and there's no, you know, there's no, no, nothing to fight for, no camp to be a part of. It's just like a more legitimate view of like what do I think about this movie and the only one they're recording out of order is Black Panther and you can feel the difference immediately just the way that they talk about it and it's like immediately the lines are drawn there's the the guys that are like no nah, the Black Panther's real good man I really like it and the people that are like oh geez I don't know I think that kind of sucked and the guys that are on the Black Panther's real good train like they just they're just saying shit that doesn't fucking add up. It's like, it's just hype. It's just like, we just saw this movie and we're excited and everyone's excited and we're all in the zeitgeist of it and whoa, whoa, whoa. Whereas if it was two years from now, they just wouldn't feel this way. They just wouldn't be saying these things, you know? And I'm not saying you just gotta shit on a movie. 
But to have legitimate, like, really well-thought-out opinions, it just doesn't seem to happen when a movie's new. There's such weird fanboyism. It's just, uh, it's just unpleasant. I don't like it, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, one thing I meant to mention is, uh, is I thought it was really interesting in Black Panther how Martin Freeman's character just had no reason to be there and just, you know, what, what a weird... It's just there, he's just doing stuff that's not important that anyone else could have done. But it's interesting too because he's like pretty nearly the only white dude in that movie. The only one by the end that's still hanging around. And I thought that was so interesting because I bet that's how black dudes have felt for like 40 years. You know, when they watch movies and there's just that one black dude that's in the movie. And it must just seem so pandering and so weird. Like, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for the one guy who looks like me. <laughs> you know? And I feel like that was probably deliberate. Like, like, let's just toss one guy in there just to show you this is what it was like. This is what it's always felt like for us. And to see it reflected back, it's like, yeah, this just sticks out so much. Like, why? Why did they just put that one guy in there? And then you multiply that by like every fucking movie that came out in like, you know, it's not as much now, but in like the 90s, there's always just like, here's your one black guy. I hope you enjoy that black audiences. We did that for you. And it seems so pandering and so lame. See, I thought that was really interesting to see that flipped around. Okay, so yeah, I guess that's all I got on my mind. Time to go right. If you haven't seen Creed, I think it's real good. And I don't think you necessarily need to uh, know much about Rocky. I've only seen the first Rocky, and it didn't really stick with me too much. But you know, I've got a general sense of Rocky, but this movie is so great because it ties in with the old Rocky movies, but, but that's not really that important. That's really not what it's about. Just a real straightforward, real fucking meat and potatoes movie, but it's done so well, just so well. I love it. And I will talk to you tomorrow, hopefully with a little more sleep under my eyelids. Oh yeah, a song. Let's play Farewell and Good Night by the Smashing Pumpkins. A nice little lullaby. See you tomorrow.
Just as well.